I wanted to share with you this morning on the topic of obedience. Now, this preaching is the last preaching for uh, our theme, All In, and I believe it will also serve as a bridge between what we've been learning this year and then to the message that is coming uh, for the new year. The main passage this morning that we will be using is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 11, from verses 1 to 5. Let's read it. Here is Jeremiah declaring, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I command your fathers in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt, from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, and do according to all that I command you. So shall you be my people, and I will be your God, that I may establish the oath which I have sworn to your fathers, to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as, is this day, as it is this day. And I answered and said, So be it, Lord. This is Jeremiah saying to the Lord, so be it. Now my Amharic Bible says, Jeremiah said, Amen. Meaning he agreed with the Lord. He agreed with the Almighty God concerning this message that God gave him to the children of Israel. We see God here calling his people into obedience through the prophet Jeremiah. And church, this time that Jeremiah was called to prophesy was a very dangerous time to be a prophet. Basically for two reasons. The first reason is the people's heart has grown so cold and so callous and they couldn't, they couldn't listen. And secondly, there were many other false prophets at this very time who were declaring peace and prosperity to these very people whom God says are disobeying him. So this was a very dangerous time to be a prophet. So God raises Jeremiah to be the authentic voice of God in the midst of all these counterfeits. Accordingly, when you read the, the book of Jeremiah, chapter after chapter, God accuses his people of disobeying him and rebelling against him and worshiping idols, and he gives them this chance to repent and to come back to him and, and renew their covenants with him. Now, you will see the height of their disobedience in the following two things that God told Jeremiah. The first thing is, in, in some of the chapters, God told Jeremiah to stop praying for the people. God told him, don't pray for them. I am not going to listen to you. Now, this is shocking to hear. God is telling his prophet to stop praying for the people. When you read the whole Old Testament, one thing that stands out is the authority of the prophet. You see, God honors his prophets. He honors the anointing that he has put on their lives. And he hears them and, and he backs them. And whatever they say, God will bring it to pass. Elijah has called fire from heaven. Isaiah has prayed for the sun to go back the ten steps that it has gone down. And it literally happened. This is how much God honors his prophets. 
They have raised the dead. They have healed the sick through their ministry. And they hear what God tells them and communicate to the people. This is how much powerful the prophets are. But here we find God telling one of his prophets to stop, to quit praying for these people. And that he will not hear him. You will find some of these verses in Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 14, and in chapter 14, verse 11. Now second, in chapter 15, verse 1, the Lord said, Then the Lord said to me, Chapter 15, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind will not be favorable toward these people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. This is the second demonstration of how, how disobedient the people were at this time, at this particular time. And God tells his, his prophet, Even if Samuel and Moses stood before me, I am not going to... Uh, show favor towards these people. Now, I asked why did God really mention Moses and Samuel specifically? What's the reason behind that? And soon the Lord made me realize that Moses and Samuel were the two greatest, the two most influential intercessors in the Old Testament. Moses has successfully interceded for Israel against God's resolve to destroy them. You will find one of these accounts in in the book of Exodus chapter 32 from verse 1 to 14. Here God's anger was rekindled against the children of Israel by, by reason of their idol worship. While Moses was up on the Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments and he stayed there for 40 days, Israel, the children of Israel counted that that was a long time to wait, so they decided, let's just build an idol and worship. So they went and made a golden calf for themselves and began to worship it. And by reason of this idol worship, the anger of God was kindled against them. So in Exodus chapter 32, from verse 7 to 14, we read, And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down for your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and indeed it is a stiff-naked people. This is God speaking concerning the people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may be burned hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. God is dealing with Moses here, telling him how disobedient the children of Israel have become, and he is bargaining with him, let me, leave me alone to destroy them, and I will give you a people that will obey you, and you, you can become a, a great leader. But then here is what Moses did in, cha- in, in verse 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, 
to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and say to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. So we see here Moses successfully interceding on behalf of the children of Israel and, and, and calming God's wrath down. And we also see Samuel has frequently and successfully interceded for Israel, particularly against their fights with the Philistines. And you will find some of uh, these stories in the first book of Samuel, chapter 7 and 12. Now getting back to the book of Jeremiah, Chapter 15, verse 1, we read, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, God said, My heart is not going to be favorable for these people. The word, even if, shows us that these two persons, these two prophets, are held in high regard by God with respect to uh, their position as intercessors. But God told them, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, I would not answer them. Why? Because the level of their disobedience has risen to a different level. And the way out of it is not the prayer of a mighty prophet or the, or the intercession of a mighty intercessor, but rather it was the obedience of the people themselves. Church, obedience is such an important thing in our walk with Christ. In our daily life, As Christians, obedience is a subject that we cannot dispense with. And we have a God who always has our best interest at heart whenever he gives us instructions and commandments to obey and to fulfill them. And if his purposes and plans are to come to pass, then we we need to seek his voice and to obey him as often as possible. And the whole Bible, if you look at it, is in a way a story of obedience. It begins with the disobedience of Adam and Eve, but thank God it ends with the obedience of Christ. Now Noah, if you see Noah, he obeyed his way into safety from the flood that destroyed the world. Abraham obeyed his way to become the father of many nations. And Isaac became... He obeyed his way into harvesting a hundredfold in a time of famine. And, and, uh, and Jacob became, obeyed his way into becoming, the children, into becoming the father of the children of Israel. Joseph obeyed his way to become a prime minister in Egypt. Moses obeyed his way to become this great leader, rescuing the children of Israel out of uh, bondage in the land of Egypt. The prophets obeyed their way to become the authentic voices of God throughout their time and their ministry. The disciples obeyed their way to become those mighty apostles rekindling the fire of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And now the baton has reached us. Will we obey the Lord?
Now, when you study the Bible, there are many things that have not made it across the Old Testament into the New. The rules and the ordinances and many, many, many other stuff. But obedience is not one of them. It has made it from the Old Testament into the New. It's always there. Obedience is a subject that we cannot dispense with in our walk with God. There is no way around it. You cannot pray your way out of obedience. When God tells you to do something, you cannot pray your way out of it. You cannot pray your way out of obedience. You cannot fast your way out of obedience. We are having this fasting season uh, until the Vision Sunday. Don't use it to escape obedience because you cannot fast your way out of obedience. You will either obey God concerning your circumstances or you will obey yourself or you will obey some other force that wants to destroy you. And disobedience is a fortress that can only be broken by the very instrument of obedience. Let me share with you one testimony that, from my own personal life, a tangible testimony of obedience that I have experienced uh, before uh, my wife and I came here to Australia. So from uh, August 2015 to February 2017, I was in America studying, uh, doing my master's at a law school there. Now, in order to understand this testimony, uh, you have to understand this. As a young man traveling from Ethiopia to America, one of the things that people will advise you, friends and families and people around you will advise you is, hey, Mike, do us a favor. When you finish school, don't come back. Stay there. Try to find work. Try to find something. Try to find some kind of visa to stay there so you can change your life, get some money, and if you, after changing your life, maybe you can change ours. So in addition to the two and a half luggages that you carry to, to the country that you're heading, you have this pressure from people to stay there and try to work out some, something to stay there. Now, I have one principle in my life that I try to hold uh, on to and to respect as often as I could, and that is I don't want to do anything that I cannot boldly stand before people and proclaim or testify that God did this for me. If I can't boldly say it is God who did this for me, then I don't want to do it. That's, that's one of the tests that I have. So I have decided when I went to America, if I had to stay there, it has to be through ways that, that is legal, that I can tell people that the Lord did this for me, that God gave me favor, and I managed to get this opportunity to work and stay in America. Otherwise, I won't do it. If I would give you a rough statistics about 85% of those who make it to America don't come back. So that's how, that's how it is. But then there came a moment when I seriously started considering whether I had to return back home because some circumstances changed and 
to some extent, I even began to wonder whether I am being selfish to return back home. I, because am I just considering my own interest in returning back home? If I stay there, I can do this, I can do that, and I can help this and that and that. There were many thoughts coming and rushing towards my mind, and I was really conflicted, seriously conflicted concerning this decision. So on one Minnesota winter, I was walking to a grocery shop, and with this burden in my heart, I was praying on my way. And I, uh, I remember speaking to the Lord and, and telling him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's your purpose? What's your will for me concerning this situation? And I was praying for a miracle, for God to do something, to speak to me, to declare his purpose for my life. So as, after I went out of the bus and as I was walking to the grocery stop and to the grocery shop and and making this prayer, the Lord spoke to me. Now, when I say the Lord spoke to me, I did not mean I heard an audible voice of the Lord. The Lord spoke to me through his word. He highlighted a scripture into my heart, and that scripture is the story in Genesis chapter 16. There you will find the story of uh, Sarah and Hagar. These are the two, uh, the two women uh, from whom Abraham has, has got a child. So God promised Abraham that he is going to give him a child from Sarah. That is the, the child who is going to come according to the promise of God, according to the covenant of God. But being weary of expectation, Abraham went into Hagar and he had another child which was not according to the covenant, which was not according to the promise of God. So as I was walking to this grocery shop, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, this is the word that I listened deep inside me, do not abandon Sarah and go into Hagar. That was a clear message for me that I should not look for a shortcut in, this, in making this decision and that I just have to stick to What's, what's happening in my life. So that settled it for me. I knew that when I finish, if there are no other opportunities to stay there, then I have to get back home. I have to go home back. So I received that instruction from the Lord, and I made up my mind that I was going to return home. And it's, it's, a, it's amazing that sometimes, even after God has spoken, the devil will send people even random people, strangers in a shop will, will meet you and say, why are you going back? Hey, you're being fooled. You're, you're kidding yourself. Don't go back. But I, straight, I stayed true to that word. And at the time, uh, I, haven't, I have applied for this PhD scholarship here in, at the University of Newcastle, but I haven't heard from them. So I made that decision to go, to go back. And I honored that decision at the time, I was single. Now I am married. <laughs> At the time, I, 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 was, uh, I just finished my master's studies and got back home. I got this scholarship. And now I am here in Australia serving the Lord, studying, having a good life, meeting your people. And all of these happened because I stayed true to the voice of God that challenged me to do something 
even though I really struggled doing that. So obedience really pays. God has our best interest at heart when he tells us to do something. And I bet God has also seen you people through that word that he spoke to me because God is all-knowing, yeah? And he knows that I have to come here and stand here and give you this testimony and preach the word. I believe God has also seen that. When he told me to, to do this, he has also seen that I will be here, that I will be coming here, that I will be serving him here. So God has this advanced view. He has the whole picture. So when he tells you to do something, even if, even if that doesn't really make sense at the time, in the grand scheme of things, that's the very important thing that you have to do. So what is obedience? It is submission to what is heard. This is the Greek term, hupakoi. And its literal meaning is submission to what is heard. So from this definition, you can clearly see that there are two stages to obedience. And the first stage is to really seek the instruction from God himself. If you want to walk in the perfect will of God, you have to first seek to hear from him, to receive instructions from him. And how do I hear him? Well, God speaks through us, to us in various ways. He, he primarily speaks to us through the written word of God. He inspires us by his Holy Spirit. He whispers into our hearts. He speaks to us through the church. He speaks to us through people around us if we are keen to hear, if we would just open our hearts. Now, when God spoke to me, like I told you, it was that he just highlighted a scripture in my heart and gave me that instruction not to abandon Sarah and go into Hagar. God spoke to me through his word. So the second stage is after having listened to God and after having received that instruction, now it's time to obey. Now it's time to go forward and do as he told you to do. Now you can literally pick up any person from the Bible and study their lives along, alongside obedience. This morning, I just want to highlight the life of the very person of Jesus Christ himself, who is the ultimate model of obedience. And let's highlight some points regarding obedience. The first point, obedience pleases the Father. Three of the four Gospels highlight or recorded that a voice came down from heaven when Jesus uh, was baptized and God the Father said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. The father was pleased with Jesus because he was perfect in his obedience. This is demonstrated in the book of Philippians chapter 2 from verses 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
So the measure of Jesus Christ's obedience was to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So the Father was really well pleased with Christ Jesus because he was obedient. The second point is our obedience grows. Look at verse 8 of Philippians chapter 2 that we just read. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, the ultimate obedience of Christ was demonstrated through his willingness to die for the sins of men. This is a measure of how much Christ really loved each and every one of us. But looking at this verse, I feel like it highlights one of the fears that we have uh, with respect to obedience. Sometimes we worry, what if God asks something too much of me? What if God asks something outrageous? What if God asks me to quit eating ice cream? A few months ago, my wife and I were studying the book of John, the Gospel of John, and we came to the, the, the verse where Jesus uh, says to his disciples, this new commandment I give unto you, love one another as I have loved you. Now, as we were discussing that, that, that particular commandment that Jesus gave, uh, my wife said, but that's hard to love one another according to the measure of the love that Jesus Christ loved us because he died for us. I agreed with that. It's hard. But then I soon realized and told her that, but that's not what, where Jesus started. Jesus did not start his obedience at the cross. That's where he finished it. That's the ultimate obedience. But the, he took many steps of obedience before reaching there. So there are many things that we have to do. And God really knows who we are. He knows the measure of our faith. He knows what to expect of us. He knows what to ask from us. So he challenges us according to the weight that we can carry. The third point, obedience pace. Let me make this clear at the outset that the motive of our obedience should always be to honor and glorify God. When you obey him, you are asserting his lordship over your life. You are asserting his authority and place in your life. You are telling him that his will will be your guide in life and that you consider his counsel wiser than any other advice. So, in this way, obedience is an act of worship to God. As a result, your obedience will bring you favor in the sight of God and the fruits of your, your obedience will be great. We see this demonstrated in Philippians chapter 2, from verse 9 to 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Now that therefore comes after the obedience of Christ, that at the name of Jesus every new should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So having obeyed, now Jesus Christ was glorified and exalted 
above every other name. So obedience does pay. The last point is obedience strengthens your Christianity. It strengthens you in your walk with Christ. This point goes together with the second point where I said our obedience grows. We grow in obedience. I remember something that the great boxer Muhammad Ali said once. He said that he he doesn't count his sit-ups until it begins to hurt. It's after the point that it begins to hurt that it counts to make the body and to build the strength in his body. He also said that he runs until he is exhausted and until he can run no more. But then when he reached that point, that's when he makes or pushes himself to run some more distance because it is that extra mile or extra distance that he runs that builds his stamina, that builds his physique and strength. And obedience, in a way, is like that extra mile that we have to go. We, have, we can pursue the voice of God, know the will of God, receive his instructions, but it is the obedience, it is the actually putting it into practice that builds our life and that builds our strength. So the life of Jesus on earth was obedience followed by obedience, obedience followed by obedience. And that is the life that we are called to imitate and to live and to practice. May I ask the band to come as we close and prepare to, to make a prayer. I want us particularly to pray on two points. The first prayer that I want us to do is to repent before God for all the times that we have not really obeyed him. When we were supposed to hear his voice and act according to his voice, act according to his word. Let us ask for his forgiveness that he would be merciful to us, that he would have compassion on us. And let us renew our covenant with him this morning. Lord, open up your mouth and and ask for his forgiveness. For all the times that we have not obeyed him. For all the times that we have heard from him but failed to do according to his instructions. Have mercy on us, Lord. We want to be obedient children. We want to be your sons and daughters who glorify you and who honor you through their obedience. Have mercy on us for all the times that we have failed to obey you, that we have failed to live according to your commands and purposes and principles for our lives. Wash us with the blood of Jesus this morning. Let every disobedience be renewed with obedience this morning. Give us that heart of Christ Jesus. As it is written, let this heart be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Give us that heart which is obedient. Give us that heart which has the will of the Father at the forefront. 
And we ask you to give us the grace, Lord. To give us the grace to be obedient. To give us the grace to be those who do your will. To, to be those who really love your will and your purpose for our lives. Strengthen us. Give us the grace. Empower us to live a life of obedience so that in our generation that we would glorify you. So that through obedience that we would strengthen our life and strengthen the community we live in, strengthen the city we live in, and strengthen our nation. Give us the heart of Christ Jesus. This morning we pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.